Good afternoon and good evening to everyone. My name is Dave Frankowski, and I'll be your moderator for today's Zoom class. And welcome to another lecture given by the Oceanside California class. This is a school and not a church. Neither are we affiliated with any religious organization. This school is a nonprofit. Non-denomination. Religious and scientific research organization dedicated to showing proof of the existence of Yahweh our Elohim and the operation of his eternal purpose, pattern, and plan operating throughout eternity to this present day. This school was established as a result of a divine vision and revelation given unto our founder, Dr. Henry Clifford Kindley, in the state of Ohio in the year of 1931. We were incorporated in the state of California in the year of 1958, and we hold classes in the United States and in various other countries. The Oceanside class was established in 1994. At this time, I'd like to introduce to you the Dean of the Oceanside class, Dr. Dennis Volpe, and the president, Dr. Carl Emler. Now in this school, we use the true, correct, and original name and title for the Father, the Word or Son, and the Holy Spirit, which were contained in the original Hebrew text. The correct name of our Heavenly Father is Yahweh. It has been improperly substituted by Lord. The correct title of the Word or Son is Elohim. It has been improperly substituted by God. And the correct name of the Holy Spirit manifest in or out of a physical body is Yahshua. It has been erroneously substituted as Jesus Christ. Now, Lord and God are titles, and they are not names. And the Apostle Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, tells us in 1 Corinthians 8 and 5 that there are Lord's many and there are God's many. But we now know that each Lord must have a name, and each God must have a name also. Elohim is a title, but unlike the titles of Lord and God, Elohim is a divine title. It's a divine title because it's a title that our Creator has chosen for Himself. Jesus is a name, but it is an erroneous name, and a minor investigation on your part into a good dictionary or encyclopedia would prove that neither the Hebrew, the Greek, nor the Latin languages have any letters or characters in their alphabet that would produce the sound that's made by the letter J. Neither was there a letter J in our own English language until some 1400 years after the death of the Messiah, which would make such names as Jesus and Jehovah impossible renderings for the true name of our Father and his Son. Christ is a title just like Lord and God. Now, Yahweh is pure spirit, and in this state, he is incomprehensible and inscrutable. He is the ultimate source, substance, the limits and the bounds of everything that exists. We have Yahweh signified on this chart as a cloud. Yahweh is not a cloud. He merely chose a cloud because a cloud has no particular or descriptive shape and form. 
And we've drawn this cloud to extend all around the edges of the chart to show that everything on the chart is within the cloud. In like manner, everything in the universe abides within the pure spirit state of Yahweh. Now Yahweh knowing that man could not perceive of him in his pure spirit state, took on shape and took on form right within himself as Yahweh Elohim. This is the word or son, a super incorporeal being that is having the shape and form of a man, but without flesh and blood. And this form can only be seen in divine visions and understood in divine revelation. Later on, this self-same spirit manifests himself in a physical body, and he walked the earth plane as Yahshua the Messiah, who the whole world calls Jesus Christ. Now, there's only one name given unto salvation, and we must know that name. So a simple yet intelligent question that we should ask ourselves is, what did they call this man when he walked the earth plane? And a further understanding of this name and title may be had by reading the preface to the Holy Name Bible. Also in this school, we teach by the divine pattern of the universe. It's the divine pattern because it's Yahweh's pattern. After Yahweh led the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt, he called Moses on top of Mount Sinai, and he showed him this threefold tabernacle pattern in a vision. Later on, Yahweh instructed Moses to build a physical one in the wilderness, just like the one he had seen in his vision on the mount. And the tabernacle pattern is a threefold pattern consisting of a most holy place, a holy place, and a court roundabout. These three compartments make up the one tabernacle pattern. In this school, we show proof that everything in the universe is made and it operates according to the structure and the function of this threefold tabernacle pattern, and that absolutely nothing escapes the pattern. Our school has 10 primary constitutional objectives and aims, and they are as follows. One, to help you find and know Yahweh, our Elohim, as he really is and actually exists. Two, to form a nucleus of universal brotherhood of humanity in Yahshua the Messiah, without distinction of race, nationality, creed, sex, caste, or color. Three, to investigate the unexplained spirit law or so-called law of nature and the powers latent in man. Four, to encourage and promote the study of the scriptures, comparative religions, psychology, philosophy, modern practical and occult science. Five, to extirpate current superstition, skepticism, and ignorance. Six, to learn, know, and understand the operation of Yahweh's eternal purpose through the dispensations and ages. Seven, to discern and avoid being deceived by Lucifer, the serpent, the devil, the dragon, or Satan and his demons, operating the mystery of iniquity on earth through the dispensations of time. Eight, to earnestly contend for the common salvation and faith, which was once delivered unto the sons or children of Yahweh. Nine, 
to make known that Yahweh from the beginning ordained. There is no other name given among men whereby man can be saved, saving the name of Yahshua the Messiah. And 10, to inherit eternal life now in the kingdom of Yahshua the Messiah with the hope of immortal glorification in the new earth state. Our watchword is peace and our slogan is speak the truth. We'll begin this evening with a prayer by Dr. Bruce Geller from Oceanside Class. And we'll have a scripture read, which will be Matthew, the 12th chapter. And that'll be read by Dr. Jerry Geller, also from our Oceanside class. you came into this teaching and you have enlightened us and shown us about yourself where we don't have to guess we don't have to speculate and we don't have to worry because you have shown us that you are real we ask that you continue to magnify your presence in our hearts and in our minds Strengthen us because we are living in very times. But we know that with you said, those that are endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. So we just ask that the words of our mouth and the meditation of our heart, Yahweh, be acceptable in your sight through Yahshua, the Messiah, our Savior. May we all say, Hallelujah. 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 Good evening, class. Tonight, I'll be reading Matthew, the 12th chapter from the Holy Name Bible. At that time, Yahshua went on the Sabbath day through the wheat field, and his disciples were hungry and began to pluck the heads of wheat, and rubbing them in their hands, they did eat. But when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto him, Behold, thy disciples do that which is not lawful to do on the Sabbath day. But he said unto them, Have ye not read what David did when he was hungry, and they that were with him? How he entered into the house of Yahweh, and did eat the showbread, which was not lawful for him to eat, neither for them which were with him, but only for the priests? Or have ye not read in the law how that on the Sabbath days the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are blameless? But I say unto you that in this place is one greater than the temple. But if ye had known what this means, I will have mercy and not sacrifice. Ye would not have condemned the guiltless. For the Son of Man is master even of the Sabbath day. And when he was departed thence, he went into their synagogue. And behold, there was a man which had his hand withered. And they asked him, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath day that they might accuse him? And he said unto them, What man shall there be among you that shall have one sheep 
and if it fall into the pit on the Sabbath day, he will not lay hold on it and lift it out. How much then is a man better than a sheep? Wherefore, it is lawful to do well on the Sabbath day. Then saith he to the man, stretch forth thine hand. And he stretched it forth, and it was restored whole like as the other. Then the Pharisees went out and held a council against him, how they might destroy him. But when Yahshua knew it, he withdrew himself from thence, and great multitudes followed him, and he healed them all, and charged them that they should not make him known, in fulfillment of that which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, Behold my servant, whom I uphold, mine elect, in whom my soul delighted. I have put my spirit upon him. He shall bring forth judgment to the nations. He shall not cry nor lift up, nor cause his voice to be heard in the streets. A bruised reed shall he not break, and smoking flax shall he not quench. He shall bring forth judgment unto truth. He shall not fail, nor be discouraged, till he hath set judgment in the earth, and his isles shall wait for his law. Then was brought unto him one possessed with a demon, blind and dumb. And he healed him, insomuch that the blind and dumb both spake and saw. And all the people were amazed and said, Is not this the son of David? But when the Pharisees heard it, they said, this fellow doth not cast out demons except by Beelzebub, the prince of the demons. And Yahshua knew their thoughts and said unto them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and every city or house divided against itself shall not stand. And if the adversary cast out the adversary, he is divided against himself, how shall then his kingdom stand? And if I, by Beelzebub, cast out demons, by whom do your followers cast them out? Therefore, they shall be your judges. But if I cast out demons by the spirit of Yahweh, then the kingdom of Yahweh is come unto you. Or else how can one enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods, except he first bind the strong man, and then he will spoil that his house? He that is not with me is against me. And he that gathereth not with me scattereth abroad. Wherefore I say unto you, all manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto men, but the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit shall not be forgiven unto men. And whoso speaketh the word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But whosoever speaketh against the Holy Spirit, it shall not be forgiven him, neither in this age, neither in the age to come. Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or else make the tree corrupt and its fruit corrupt, for the tree is known by its fruit. O generation of vipers, how can ye, being evil, speak of good, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh. A good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, bringeth forth good things. And an evil man, out of the evil treasure, bringeth forth evil things. 
But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. And certain of the scribes and Pharisees answered, saying, Rabbi, we would see a sign from thee. But he answered and said unto them, An evil and adulterous generation seek after a sign, and there shall no sign be given to it but the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the fish's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And the men of Nineveh shall rise in judgment with this generation and shall condemn it because they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And behold, a greater than Jonah is here. The queen of the south shall rise up in the judgment with this generation and shall condemn it. For she came from the uttermost parts of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, a greater than Solomon is here. When the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places seeking rest and findeth none. And he saith, I will return into my house from whence I came out. And when he is come, he findeth him empty, swept, and garnished. Then goeth he and taketh with himself seven other spirits more wicked than himself. And they enter in and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. Even so shall it be unto this wicked generation. While he yet talked to the people, behold, his mother and his brethren stood without, desiring to speak with him. Then one said unto him, Behold, thy mother and thy brethren stand without, desiring to speak with thee. But he answered and said unto him that told him, Who is my mother and who are my brethren? And he stretched forth his hand towards his disciples and said, Behold, my mother and my brethren, for whosoever shall do the will of my Father, which is in heaven, the same is my brother and sister and mother. Matthew, the 12th chapter. Thank you, Dr. Jerry Geller and Dr. Bruce Geller. And this evening, our scripture readers will be Dr. Sharon Welch and Dr. Deb Cometti from our Syracuse class. We're gonna have a three speaker format this evening, each speaker getting approximately through 35 minutes. And our first speaker this evening will be Dr. Bonnie Snyder, the Dean of our Arcport New York class. Well, good evening, can you hear me? Yes. Thank you. Yes. Um, it's good to be here. Um, I usually just watch it because I'm usually shot at night. <laughs> and it's way late at seven o'clock here. <laughs> but uh, anyway, I decided to jump on tonight and say hello to everybody and, um, you know, just be more a little bit of a part of it. And I thank you for giving me the opportunity. I love the scripture. Um, uh, Yashua healing on the Sabbath day. Uh, it's really shows some beautiful things. Um, so I guess that's the direction I'll go in. <laughs> um, uh, let's set up a little bit of a um, basis for it first though. Um, let's talk about the covenants for a little bit and I'll just get a few verses because that's the only way I know how to teach. Um, 
so can we get Exodus um, show where the old, uh, the new, <laughs> you know, there's a new covenant. We go a lot and we get Jeremiah 31 and 31 and it tells us there's going to be a new covenant, but we couldn't know anything about the new covenant unless we knew what the old covenant was. Because in this school, the theme song, excuse me, the theme song of our school is Romans 1, 19 and 20, which tells us that the invisible things are seen by the visible things. And so we have these examples throughout the law and the testimony that point out how something is going to be spiritually so. And this old covenant was set up with the Jews and the Jews only. Um, I think I want you to stay on the elementary chart. I appreciate you trying to follow me, but it, I, I think that that's probably what I'll use is either the elementary chart or the Moses chart. Thank you so much, whoever's doing the charts. I appreciate it. So let's get Exodus 24 um, verses three through eight where that covenant comes in. And then also let's get Romans three, one, one and two. And I'm, I hope I'm, I have these verses right. I'm, I'm thinking that's what it is. But go ahead and read, please. Exodus. Exodus 24 and 3. And Moses came and told the people all the words of Yahweh and all the judgments. And all the people answered with one voice and said, all the words which Yahweh had said will we do. Okay, so Yahweh's saying, Yahweh's, Moses has given the words of Yahweh to the children of Israel. And this is where that covenant was made back here at Mount Sinai. And uh, can you move the chart over so we can see Moses talking to the children of Israel? <laughs> or can I move it? No. Oh, I can. Oh, yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Wonders never cease around here. <laughs> uh, what do you, you want to see, Bonnie? It's not moving for everybody. That's something else we'd have to work out. Oh, what part well, thank of the chart you. Do you want to thank see? you. It's very sweet. <laughs> okay. Um, so anyway, oh, I'm sorry, Sharon, would you read that again? It doesn't take much for me to lose it now. So go ahead. Would you just read that again, please? Yep. Exodus 24 and 3. And Moses came and told the people all the words of Yahweh and all the judgments. And all the people answered with one voice and said, all the words which Yahweh has said, will we do? Okay, so Moses has given the words of Yahweh and they're agreeing to it. So this mm -hmm. is the agreement or the first covenant made with Israel. This is where they're saying, I do. I'm going to do whatever you tell me to do. And, you know, I just want to say this quickly because I know I'm going to have to get, watch my time good. Um, when, uh, when I was out in Christianity and I was a church bum before I came to this great teaching, um, I never even heard what a covenant was. I didn't know that Yahweh had an agreement or, you know, I just did not know that Yahweh had an agreement with anybody. And I didn't know that Israel were really a chosen people by Yahweh. I didn't know these things. In Christianity, you just don't hear anything, you know, and we take so for granted that we know things, but this is so such a fantastic thing to know. And even this thing about this agreement with these people, that old covenant was given to the Jews and the Jews only, never was given to a Gentile, never was given to most of us to start with. You understand it was 
never given to us. And yet we picked it up and dragged it on and believed whatever we were told and, you know, tried to keep it as best we could, we thought, or, you know, or else went to confession when we didn't, whatever. So anyway, keep reading, please. Verse four, and Moses wrote all the words of Yahweh and rose up early in the morning and builded an altar under the hill and 12 pillars according to the 12 tribes of Israel. Okay, so I just want to mention there that Moses wrote down, this was Moses' first principal trip up in the mountain. And he wrote down what thus saith Yahweh. And really that's where the law and the testimony comes from. There, there was a vision given to Moses. He wrote the first five books of the Bible and then the books from Joshua to Malachi. Uh, Yahweh appeared unto the prophets and they wrote down what thus saith Yahweh. So when you're reading out of the law and the testimony, you're reading what thus saith Yahweh. He set it up. Then he comes in and fulfills it. You understand? he's it's a beautiful way that he did it because it shows us that we can know him so anyway go ahead and keep reading please i want you to go through eight go ahead okay and he set young men of the children of israel which offered burnt offerings and sacrificed peace offerings of oxen unto yahweh and moses took half of the blood and put it in basins and half of the blood he sprinkled on the altar and so this, this covenant was dedicated with blood, with the blood of sacrifices, you understand? But we want to remember that the old covenant was dedicated with blood. There was a reason why Yahshua the Messiah came in and shed his blood, you understand? But go ahead and keep reading, please. Verse 7, and he took the book of the covenant and read in the audience of the people. And they said, all that Yahweh had said will we do and be obedient. So he said they, they made that agreement with him or that first covenant, and it was made with Israel and Israel only. Mm -hmm. And by the way, if you remember, it wasn't 40 days after they said, I do, that they build the golden calf. Mm -hmm. So they did not keep the covenant, you understand? And that was another reason or good reason to have a new covenant come in finally, because the old covenant could not be kept. All right, so go to Romans 3, 1 and 2. I just want to stick with what I'm doing. Okay, please. Thank you. Romans 3 and 1. What advantage then hath the Jew? Or what profit is there of circumcision? So this is, this is written, Paul's writing right here to the Romans, and he's saying, he's talking about the covenants, and he's saying, what advantage then has the Jew? Because the covenant back there was given to the Jews and the Jews only. So he's got, it's a good question, you know. <laughs> We didn't know enough to make a good question. At least I'll speak for myself. I didn't, I just was so floored when I heard the things in this teaching because I just never even thought of anything. I never even thought of any of these things. I didn't think about that he had a name. I didn't think that he made an agreement. I didn't think that there were witnesses. I, didn't, I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> I'm glad I'm not thinking like that anymore. And I'm glad you aren't either, all right? So keep reading, please, honey. Or what profit is there of circumcision? So what profit much, is the, to be a Jew and what profit is the circumcision? Read on. Much every way, chiefly because unto them were committed the oracles of Elohim. Okay, so it, it's chiefly, it was unto them were delivered the oracles of Yahweh. See, they, 
back at the mountain, that's what they got. Yahweh spoke to them at the mountain and they received the law at his mouth. And they also received all the words that Moses wrote in the book. And they made the agreement, you understand? So it was given to the Jews and Jews only. And I just wanted to bring that out because I think it's important sometimes to show these things and prove them. We say things a lot, but you, you sometimes need to get the scriptures for it, you know. All right, so anyway, let's go to Galatians 4, 4 and 5, please. Galatians 4 and 4. But when the fullness of the time was come, Elohim sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that was under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. Okay, could we go to the um, uh, the time chart? I can't even think of the word of the chart. Um, chronology. Yeah, yeah, the chronology chart. Thank you. Um, okay, and would you read that again, please? And I'll be interrupting it. I'm really sorry to interrupt, but I don't know how else to do it. Go ahead. That's and read. fine. That's fine. <laughs> Thank you, Sharon. <laughs> but when the fullness of time was come, okay, Yahweh now, Elohim sent forth time. his son. So when the fullness of time was come, after these 4,000 years were done, Yahshua was going to come in on the 4,000th year. You understand? Right. Right. And when he comes in, okay, right there at the cross is when Yahshua the Messiah comes in. And when the fullness of time, so the times of those 4,000 years were full, they were done. And he was going to come in and his mission when he comes in was fulfilling the law and the testimony. And that's something we didn't know. You understand? In fact, the word institute, which all of Christianity says that their savior came in and instituted a Christian way of life. Institute's not in your Bible. Yahshua never said he instituted when he was, when he came in the flesh in those 33 and a half years, he never said he instituted anything. You understand? In fact, he did say over 40 times in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which is a recording of, you know, like an autobiography of his life in the flesh, it, it says he was fulfilling. You understand? And they're exact opposites. So Yahshua the Messiah came in and he was born under the law. He was born under that old covenant. See? And he, he was born to redeem them that were under the law. To, he was born and he was going to redeem Israel first. You understand? And then us by at the Gentiles come in by promise. All right. So, the, and that's a whole other story. And it's a great, great story, but I'm going to stick to this. All right. So let me get a couple more verses, please. Matthew 3. Uh, I, I think I want you to start at 12. Matthew 5, 17 and 18. And then I want Luke 24, 25 through 27 and 44. And I know that these are things that you probably, everybody that's listening knows, but you know what? We have a great savior. And the things that we have been taught in this school and just to have the things brought back to our remembrance, there's nothing better for me than to hear the basics taught because right. it, be that, if you understand that, you have confidence in whatever it is that's going on in the world. And I mean, not, you don't have confidence in what's going on, but you have confidence in Yahshua. You have hope in Yahshua. 
and you you stay in Yahshua. And we have that because of the basics that we learned, you know? And I'm not against anybody teaching anything that goes along with it, but I just don't know how to do it. I'm it, That's not me. I'm only given what I have been given. And so that's where I have to go. I hope everybody's understand what I'm trying to say. But go ahead and read, please, honey. Matthew 3.13. Thank you, Deb. And Yahshua from Galilee to the Jordan unto John to be baptized by him. Uh -huh. But John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee, and comest thou to me? Uh-huh, now this is Yahshua. He's going to be baptized. And John's saying, I have need to be baptized of you. Go ahead and read. Yahshua answering said unto him, Suffer it to be so now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Then thus he it becometh him. us to fulfill all righteousness. So he's telling him that he, his mission is to fulfill what's written in the law and the testimony. You know, I think I want one more verse here that is always good, good to go right here is John, I, I believe it's John 5 and 39. Mm -hmm. John 5, 39. Search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. Now and this they is are the Messiah speaking. Mm -hmm. Search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. See, because that, and obviously that's what they were thinking. He did know what they were thinking. See, mm -hmm. and a lot of times people, you know, in the world, they'll, they'll have scriptures and scripture quoting contests. And, you know, it's not that. Mm -hmm. In fact, the, you have to have the thing straightened up by a vision or else the scriptures are, are no good to you. It comes by vision and revelation. You have to see the way Yahweh set it up. It's not just reading your Bible. It's not just going to the scriptures. It's not just taking a word and looking it up. It's showing how the thing was put together by a vision and a revelation. You understand? And that's the way we must go. That's the way he gave us to go. That's the only way we're ever going to see it. And it's going to, and it's going to be the way other people see it. And it would do us all to remember right now, because we got new people on a lot of these classes, which is fantastic. Praise Joshua for it. You understand? But we must remember how we got it. We would, you know, and I, I think about the way we were taught in Hornell, because I was in the Hornell class, you know, for a long, long time. We would do the same thing. I mean, just over and over and over and over and over. And, and we didn't get sick of it. We kept coming. We came two or three days a week, you understand? And it was because it's exciting to know your creator. It really is. It's what, after a while, it's what you live for in this great teaching, whether you're young or whether you're old. See, not just because you're old now. <laughs> Let's speak about me. <laughs> That's not the reason, see? It's because it's so exciting. It's so great. It's so invigorating. It's, it's great. Mm -hmm. this, is, this is high right here. Okay. All right. I forget where I was now. Oh, search the scriptures. Yep. Search the, scriptures. search the scriptures for in them, you think you have eternal life and they are they which testify of me. So you search them scriptures because they are they which testify of me. Now that's what Yahshua said. So the scriptures, the law, 
first five books of Moses and the books from Joshua to Malachi, they mm -hmm. testify or they teach about Yahshua. See, so that's where you have to go. And I hope to get there with the Sabbath if I have time. <laughs> All right, and I'm, I'm trying to hurry along. All right, go ahead to um, Matthew, get Matthew 5.17 quick. Matthew 5.17, think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. Again, I this is not come. with the Messiah speaking. See, yep. think not that I am come to destroy the law and the testimony. Read. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. I didn't come to destroy them, but I came to fulfill. Mm -hmm. And we never want to forget what his mission is. Even when we're reading through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you always want to remember he's fulfilling. He ain't setting up something for you to look at. He's fulfilling. You understand? All right, keep reading. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. So he's going to be, he's fulfilling. All right, one more verse on that. Luke 24, 40, uh, 24, 25. Luke 24, 25. Then he said unto them, O fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Messiah to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And mm -hmm. beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Mm -hmm. Okay, and 44, please. Verse 44. And he said unto them, these are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you. Now these all are that I spoke unto you while I was yet with you. Well, he was with him then, but he had changed. He'd gone from being in a physical body, that specially prepared body, to being in a spiritual body. All right. So he's now with them, but he's in changed form. Okay, read. That all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. So again, he's saying he's fulfilling, right? Okay, let's go to Hebrews 10, seven through nine, I hope it is. And all these verses, if you write them down and you look above and you look below and there's always much more you can either read or say. And we are limited on our time as far as even the two hours that you have when you get together. And um, so you have, to, you have to do it in a most concise way that you can. Okay, but go ahead and read, please. Hebrews 10, 7. Then said I, lo, I come in the volume of the book. It is written of me to do thy will, O Yahweh. So lo, he comes in the volume of the book. It is written of him to do the Father's will. See? Read. Above when he said sacrifice and offering and burnt offerings and offering for sin, thou wouldest not, neither had pleasure in them, which are offered by the law. Okay, can then, we go back to Moses' chart and then keep reading, please? Then said he, lo, I come to do thy will, O Yahweh. He taketh away the first, that he may establish the second. Okay, so he took away the first covenant and the first set of laws so that he may establish the second. That's what the Messiah did. When he fulfilled, he put an end to the old covenant. All right. 
Now let's go to um, maybe Ephesians 2.15. Ephesians 2.15, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments, contained in ordinances. For okay, so now look, you have Yahshua the Messiah here on the cross. When he dies on the cross, this is what he accomplished. Mm -hmm. This is what he did. You understand? Read that again, please, Sharon. Having abolished in his flesh... Having abolished in his flesh, mm -hmm. he took his specially prepared body, took the sins of the whole world on him. Mm. He did something when he got up there, folks. He did something for us. You understand? Read on. Having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments. He, he took away the enmity or the law of commandments. Read. Contain in ordinances. Uh-huh. For to make in, in himself of twain one new man, so making peace. So he's going to make peace by the blood of his cross. And that was for the Jews first, and then he also made peace with the Gentiles, see, seven years later. All right, now let's go to uh, Colossians 2.14. Mm -hmm. Colossians 2.14, blotting up the handwriting of ordinances, that was against us. Oh, now Paul saying that what? this is another thing that he did when mm -hmm. Yahshua died. And you know, we, we say we talk about the gospel, it's how Yahshua died, how he was buried, how he resurrected according to the scriptures. Well, this is how Yahshua died. This is part of how he died. What he did when he got up there, you see. And if you look up, you know, one of the things I did when I was studying these charts is. Every place I'd see a cross, I'd look up all the verses there. And it really opens your eyes to what he did when he got up on the cross. See, he abolished death. He blotted out the handwriting of ordinances that was against the Jews. Because it was for the Jews and the Jews only, understand. He blotted out those things. Go ahead and read that. Start Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us. Uh-huh. To us and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. And he took that old covenant out of the way and he nailed it to the cross. He fulfilled the things that were written in the old covenant. He kept the old covenant. In fact, he was the only man that ever walked around on the face of the earth that could keep the old covenant. See? And he set it up so he could keep it. He, he made it just that way. All right, now let's go back to the Sabbath. I want to run just the Sabbath and then I'll, you know, I'm sure I'll be out of time. Let's go to, because I, I really want to talk about scripturing before I get done. Let me see what time it is. I got to do something here. Um, how, can you tell me quickly how much time I have left? Oh, for goodness sakes. Okay. <laughs> All right, thank you. Let's go to... Um, uh, well, I, I'll just tell you where some of these scriptures are. I'm not going to read them all. In Exodus, the 16th chapter is where Yahweh sets up the Sabbath day. But I want you to get Exodus 28 and 10 and Nehemiah 9, 13 and 14. Exodus 28. Go ahead. 
No, go ahead. I'll get my Nehemiah. Exodus 28 and 10. Six of their names on one stone and the other six names of the rest of the one other stone according to their birth. With Is that the word, 20? Exodus 20, 8 and 10? 8 through 10? Exodus 20, verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Okay, Six so days. he's telling and remember the Sabbath day. So he's setting up with Israel a Sabbath. Isn't that right? And if you look the, the way that he showed Moses about the Sabbath, you see Moses having this vision. He sees that the days of creation come in in six solar days, according to the vision. Mm -hmm. All right. We know that it came in in the day of eternity. But in Moses's vision, it was six solar days. And then he sees Yahweh Elohim on the Sabbath. And it's got Sabbath right there on him at the end of it. That's the seventh day. So he's setting up with Israel the Sabbath day. You understand? And that's in Exodus 16, 20. Well, the whole chapter, 16th chapter is about the Sabbath. But then go ahead and keep reading where you were. Exodus 20. This okay. is one of the big 10, <laughs> you know, this is one of the 10 commandments mm -hmm. that we're, we're talking about here. The Sabbath was a big deal to Yahweh. He set these things up just this way for a good reason. You understand? Because we're going to be in Yahshua's rest. All these things about the Sabbath show you something about Yahshua's rest, which we have been brought into now after Yahshua goes through his death, burial, and resurrection. See what I mean? Go ahead and read, please. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six uh -huh. days thou shalt labor and do all thy work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of Yahweh the Elohim. In it the thou shalt not do any is work. The Sabbath day, and you're not supposed to do any work. Read. Mm -hmm. Thou, nor thy son, nor thy daughter, thy manservant, thy maidservant, nor thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gates. For in six days Yahweh made heaven and earth and the sea, and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore so Yahweh blessed rested on the seventh day. And that was the point I wanted to get there. Okay, go to Nehemiah, please. Nehemiah 9, 13. Thou comest down also upon Mount Sinai, and spaketh with them from heaven, and gavest them right judgments, and true laws, good statutes, and commandments and made known unto them thy holy Sabbath, and commandment them precepts, statutes, and laws by the hand of Moses thy servant. Okay, so Nehemiah is testifying to what Moses had already said, right? And that whole chapter, the ninth chapter of Nehemiah is about the children of Israel coming up out of Egypt and all the things that went on with them. But he, he's telling you there that they were given the Sabbath day by the hand of Moses, you understand? And, and so, okay, let's go to Matthew eleven twenty eight. I hope. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So this is Yahshua the Messiah speaking now. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. What will he give you? He's going to give you, you're going to be in a Sabbath. You're going to have rest. That's what Sabbath means. Mm -hmm. There was a day of rest. That's what was set up. So Yahshua was saying, come unto me and I will give you that rest. And there's more in that verse, but I want to keep going. So let's go to Luke 23, 53 and 54. 
and Luke 24 and 1. Luke 23, 54. Luke 23, 53 and 54. 53. And he took it down. Well, let's do 52. This man went unto Pilate and begged the body of Yahshua. And he took it down and wrapped it in linen and laid it in the sepulcher that was hewn in stone, wherein never man before was laid. Okay, so now this is about Yahshua when Yahshua was actually went through his death, burial, and resurrection. And they, they, he, Joseph asked for the body of Yahshua, and they had taken him off the cross on Friday night. All right? Mm hmm And so he's going to be, so keep reading. And verse 54, and that day was the preparation, and the Sabbath drew, drew on. So that day was the preparation. So it was Friday and the Sabbath day, which their Sabbath day was Saturday. Mm -hmm. All right. And the Sabbath day drew on. And, you know, they had to get them off the cross before the Sabbath. That's all through there. Right. OK, now read uh, Luke 24 and 1. Luke 24 and 1. Now, upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came unto the sepulcher bringing the spices which they had prepared and certain others with them. And they found this. And they found so, this. Wait, if you keep going there, what they found the, the stone had been moved and it was empty. The tomb was empty. So this was the first day of the week or it would have actually been Sunday. All right. Because there was two days and Friday is death burial. And then he's buried in the tomb all day Saturday. Do you understand that? And he fulfilled that by not moving a peg. He didn't move one. He, he's in the tomb all day Saturday. Then he resurrects from the dead early Sunday morning. Mm -hmm. Do you understand that? That's how that. And we can show, you know, they can show you the three days and three nights sometimes. But that that's how he fulfilled the Sabbath day. Right. When, he's a, when he does that, all right? So he fulfills that Sabbath day. All right, let's go to, um, let's go to Hebrews four and start right at three, please. Oh yes, thank you. See, he's gone, he's out of the tomb. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> Hebrews four and three. For we who have believed do enter into rest as he said, as okay. I have sworn, we, and I'm going to interrupt you. I'm sorry, Deb. Yeah. Now, we who have believed, and we believe that Yahshua did because we can see that there was a Sabbath back in the law. We see it in the prophets. Those were the witnesses that were set up to point him out. We see Yahshua fulfilled it. So now we can see that we are entering into his rest because we can see that it's happened all the way along. You understand? That's how you believe, that's how you have confidence. You know that he's the one because you've seen the things that he's done. Keep reading, please. As I have sworn in my wrath that they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. That's right, read. For he spoke in a certain place of the seventh day on this wise, and Elohim did rest the seventh day from all his works. So Elohim rested the seventh day, and you read all the way through there that fourth chapter of Hebrews, and you'll find out more about that rest. But now I want to go back to the scripture reading. Read chapter 12, 
Let's see, where is it? Matthew 12. Uh, okay, let me find it, what I want. Two more minutes, please. Okay, thank you. Starts at one. Let's start at six. Matthew 12 and six. But I said unto you that in this place is one greater than the temple. For if you had known what this meaneth, I, I will have mercy and not sacrifice. You would not have condemned the guiltless. For the, son of, for the son of man is Yahweh, even of the Sabbath day. So the son of man is, is the master of even of the Sabbath day. Oh, mm -hmm. He's the Elohim of the Sabbath day. All right. Mm -hmm. Okay. Keep reading. Read and that. When, and, and when he was departed thence, he went into their synagogue and behold, there was a man which had his hand withered and they asked him saying, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath days that they might accuse him? Okay, so now they're, you know how sneaky they were with him. They're asking him something. They really don't want to know what the real answer is. They just want to find out if they can accuse him of something. Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath day? And this is what I could see about this when I, uh, if you just think about this, it's so fantastic. Because after Yahshua the Messiah goes through his death and his burial and his resurrection and pours out the Holy Spirit, then you are actually in your Sabbath or your rest. You're resting from the works of the law, which we never had in the first place, but you're resting from a carnal mind. You know, you're, you're not carnal anymore. You're at rest. You're at peace in Yahshua the Messiah. The Holy Spirit is righteousness, peace, and joy. That's rest, folks. You understand? So you have, you're at rest. You're in your peace. And don't people ask you things like, you mean to tell me you don't keep, uh, you, you don't go to church on Sundays? You don't, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you don't do Christmas what? <laughs> and and all the things that we once were involved in and we don't have to do anymore because we're in Yahshua's rest really our souls have been healed and they're it, it's like they're still against the healing on the Sabbath day you see how they were against him healing on the Sabbath day mm -hmm. And now, after Yahshua's gone through his death, burial, and resurrection, and he pours out that Holy Spirit, that's a healing. And we are in his rest. And that's a Sabbath. And it's the thing that the mystery of iniquity is still against. Healing on the Sabbath day. Mm -hmm. See? And you can be healed through reading about it, seeing and understanding this great vision and revelation and the preaching of Yahshua's death, burial, and resurrection according to scriptures. Well, I hope somebody got something out of that. It was a little quick and maybe a little, I don't know. But I hope somebody got something out of it. And it's a pleasure to be here. And all praises go to Yahshua. Thank you, folks. Thank you, Dr. Snyder. And for our second speaker this evening, we'll have Dr. Andy Vercarderen, the dean of our Green Bay, Wisconsin class. Hello, everybody. It's really good. Hopefully everyone can hear me okay. Yes. I really enjoyed what uh, Dr. Bonnie Schneider had said about Sabbath. It truly is the rest is to be with Yahshua. If Yahshua is in us and we are in him and he's in us, that truly is the rest. And there's a lot more that goes along with that. 
uh, preaching of the gospel is, is definitely a rest. Uh, I'll give you an example of that. Give me Isaiah 28, 9, and 10, and I think maybe uh, 11 as well, please. Because Bonnie had already talked about to the law and to the testimony, how we believe on Yahshua. Everything we believe that we have learned in this school can be verified in the law and prophets. We talk about the importance of the name Yahweh, and we go to law and prophets and show you example after example of that. We talk about the importance of uh, Yahshua being witnessed down through the law and prophets, how law and prophets point him out. And all the various things that we believe in are verified by the law and prophets. Go ahead and get what I called, please. Isaiah 28 and 9. Whom shall he teach knowledge, and whom shall he make to understand doctrine? So I'm going to be rude. I don't mean to be rude, but I'm, we'll just say I'm going to be rude, but really not. <laughs> I'm going to interrupt the readers. I can't help it. I'm not trying to be rude is what I'm really truly saying. But whom shall he, that he is Yahweh, whom shall Yahweh or Yahshua teach knowledge? Read. And whom shall he make to understand doctrine? And whom shall he make to understand doctrine? See, your creator has the ability to make you understand Doctrine. No one else can do that. Only Yahshua can cause you or make you understand. Doctrine. Read. Those who are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast. For precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little. And many times we have gotten precepts or principles in the law and principles in the prophets in principle, uh, a line in the law and a line in the prophets. Basically, we line these examples up for you. Precept upon precept, line upon line, here a little and there, here a little in the law, and here a little in the prophets. Read. For with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to this people. Like when we work with, there's a death in the law, a death in the prophets, a death in the law, a death in the... We talk about many examples of a death and a law, death, 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 in the prophets, death, 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 with stammering lips in another tongue. She'll, you, go ahead, read. Will he, with stammering lips in another tongue, will he speak to this people to whom he said, this is the rest by this which is the rest. The preaching of the gospel, precept upon precept, line upon line, is the rest in Yahshua Messiah, because that law and prophets are his witnesses. They're his proof to bring us on to Yahshua. It's what, what can make us under, he can make us understand doctrine. This is the rest. This is the refreshing. Go ahead. By which you may cause the weary to rest. Mm -hmm. And, and we're all refreshing. weary. If you're not weary, just go ahead and live in the world for a little, a little while, right? And especially now, you'll be weary. But anyway, this is the the rest, where the weary may rest. And we were all weary coming into class, weary of all this crazy false doctrine going on in the world and all the problems with humanity. Uh, you know, black can't get along with white and the Democrats can't get along with Republicans. I mean, this world is such a mess and we're not here to fix the world. We're just trying to give rest to the weary if you come to the place of rest. Well, and I think that's good enough for now. Let's get Second uh, Thessalonians. I think it's one and seven. To whom you are troubled, 
Yes. Second Thessalonians 1 and 7. Mm -hmm. And to you who are troubled, rest with us. And to you who are troubled, rest with us. We want you to come to class so that you can rest. So you can be at peace. You can be at joy, knowing that you know Yahweh is real and he does exist and you can be at peace because you know that this, this world isn't broke. It's, it's happening right according to what Yahweh intends to happen to this world. And we're in the right place. We're in a safe place. We're exactly where we need to be to survive. And one of the things I wanted to talk about is what it takes to survive. What do we have to do to survive? You know, when someone might think, well, to survive, I need to go get a job. and Oh, I need to, I need to do this. Uh, I need to do that. But what I want to talk about survival, and, and Shannon talked a little bit about survival a little bit on the last Oceanside. And then I think Ricky talked a little bit about some things that we need from a natural standpoint to survive as well. I've watched a lot of survival shows, and there's a lot of them on the TV today. Uh, the word survive means to continue or last. And we know that there's scriptures that talk about we have to endure to the end. And if we endure to the end, the same shall be saved, right? And when you look up the word endure, the endure has a definition as well. And obviously, this is a school, and if you want to look these things up later, I know because it's on YouTube, you can always come back and watch it again and take notes. The word endure means to continue in the same state. Now, it means to last, to remain firm under suffering or misfortune without yielding, to mm -hmm. undergo hardships without uh, without giving in. And it means to suffer, to bear, to continue. Um, and that's what it means to endure. And if you look up, uh, um, you think about those nine divine attributes, we come to class and hopefully through time, those nine divine attributes can also come become real for us. And one of the nine divine attributes is strength. Strength is the ability if you look it up, it's endurance. It's the ability to resist something. If something is strong, it can really take a pounding and last. And that's the thing about the attribute of strength. And we all need strength to survive. And that strength comes through Yahshua. It comes through uh, um, being in him or being at that rest. Because the world is nothing but a mess and we have to rest with Yahshua. Now, when you watch survival shows, uh, one of the first things they always tell you about, now, man needs certain things to survive. The, the thing he needs absolutely immediately is air. Now, we know air is representative spirit. And, and most survival shows don't talk about air because wherever you go, whether it's a jungle or on a mountain or in a, a frozen tundra, they're not running around looking for air because they already have air. And air is a type of the spirit. We live and move and have our being within Yahweh. Well, you live and move and have your being within the air. And you can't live without it. You take a breath, the air is within you. It goes throughout your body. It goes to all your cells so you can live and you can survive. But when it comes to surviving, 
you don't have people that are trying to survive running around looking for air. What they're looking for is the things they need to survive in the situation they're in. And for, for one example would be they need water. A man or a woman cannot live without water for more than three days. If you don't get water in three days, you're gonna have some serious problems. Your organs will start shutting down. You're gonna have things affect your body, which make it hard on your, your body, it makes hard on your brain, your heart, everything. Your body is made up of 65% water and you can't live without water. Another thing you can't live without, you can't live without shelter. If you're in a place where it's a frozen tundra and you don't have shelter, you won't make it through the night because you could freeze to death. Uh, if you're in a place that's too hot and you can't find shelter, you need, you need shelter. And a shelter is... Basically, the word shelter is a, it's one of the definitions of shelter. It's a, it's a safe place. It's a sanctuary is one of the definitions. It's, it's a place that uh, something could be protected. Like you go to an animal shelter or you go to, I need to find shelter at, at, a, at a, a, you know, somebody who's homeless. They go to a place where they can get shelter. And then another thing you leave, you need to survive, you got to have food. You cannot live without food. So what I'm talking about is water, shelter, and food. And every one of those things you need from a natural standpoint to survive. And somebody would think, well, what do I have to do? I come to class, I learn about Yahweh, what do I have to do? Well, endure to the end. Survive. How do you survive? What do you do every day? You need to drink water. Somebody might think, well, well, what does water have to do with class? Well, well, uh, let's get um, uh, John uh, 5 and 37, I think it is. John 5, because, 37. And the Father himself who hath sent me hath... No, not, I don't, I'm sorry. I, I, uh, I, that's not what I want. I want John 7, 38. Sorry. Because yeah. Bonnie was talking about preaching by the law and prophets. Now let's get John 7 and 38. And John then 7. I want Isaiah 55, 1 and 2. John 7, 38. He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. So if you believe in Yahshua, as the scriptures have said, out of your belly shall flow what? Rivers of living water. Now, from a natural standpoint, we need water to live. So from a spiritual standpoint, we also need water to live. And somebody might think, well, where am I going to get the water from? Well, let's go. First of all, let's get Isaiah 55, 1 and 2, please. Isaiah 55 and 1. Oh, everyone that thirsts come into the waters. And he that had no money, come ye, buy, and eat. Yea, come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Where do you spend money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which is which satisfieth not? So here this scripture is talking about coming. He that thirsteth, come to the waters. Well, where are the waters? Mm. When you look at back... In the, in the law, 
you have atoms placed in the Garden of Eden. Adam was formed outside the garden and he was placed in the garden. Is that right? Well, what did Adam, where did Adam get his water? You're going to read in, in Genesis that there was a, uh, it's actually in Genesis 2 and 10, we don't have to get it, but there was a river in Eden and that river was there to water the garden of Eden. And where do you think Adam got his water? He got it from the river that was provided by the creator to Adam, the son in the garden. So Adam had water. And you also have the example of food. Now that was a, he was placed in the garden and the, and the garden was in fruition. Uh, what do I mean by that? He said to Adam, of every tree in the garden, you may freely eat, right? But of the tree that's in the midst, thou shalt not either of, showing forth that there's fruit or food provided to Adam in the garden. So he has water, he has food. What about shelter? Now you look in the holy place, on a lot of the plates, you're gonna see a word pop up. It's called the sanctuary and it's in the holy place. If we can zoom in on some of these um, uh, plates, you're gonna see that the holy place is referred to as the sanctuary. There you go in the tabernacle here. You see the word sanctuary there? And you're gonna also see the word sanctuary appear uh, in a lot of the plates in the elementary charts uh, that a sanctuary is a place and that's a, it's a shelter. It's, it's a place of safety. So here Adam is being placed in a place of safety or Adam is being provided shelter. He's being provided water and he's being provided food. You also have the children of Israel. They came out through the divided waters of the Red Sea and they came into this holy place which is also the sanctuary um, uh, they were provided a place now they were uh, thirsty so what did Yahweh do he he caused them the uh, to hit a rock and he caused water to come out of the rock so he gave his son water he provided that water to his son back there as well and now the other thing is they were hungry. So what did, he, what did Yahweh do? He provided manna. And manna was the food that was provided for the son to be elite. So here Yahweh is providing a place or a place of safety, a shelter. He's provided uh, food for them. He's providing water from them, for them. So um, now somebody might think, well, well, what does water have to do with preaching the gospel? Let's get Deuteronomy 32 and 2 because Bonnie had mentioned about doctrine. A doctrine is a teaching or a body of principles. Now let's get Deuteronomy 32 and 2. Deuteronomy 32, 2. My doctrine shall drop as the rain. My speed shall distill as the dew. As the so Yahweh is talking about doctrine being correlated to rain. So the foolishness of preaching, the preaching of this gospel to the law and to the, the prophets is doctrine. It is water being provided for, so that we can survive. You know, what do you have to do to survive? You get up in the morning every day and you have a drink of water. If you don't have a drink of water, you're going to die. 
it's as simple as that. I, I, it can't get any simpler than that. And somebody might think, well, I don't need to come to class. I don't need to come to class all the time. Well, do you get sick of drinking water every day? You go to your sink and you draw the tap and you have a cool glass of water. You don't sit there. Oh, I hate the way this water tastes the same every day. See, that's just how foolish we can be sometimes when it comes to the things we really need to survive. This teaching is the water of life. And you have John, the fourth chapter. Yahshua comes up to the Samaritan woman and, and he talks about this water. He said, you know, hey, if you would have asked me, I would have given you living water. Is that what he said to the Samaritan woman? Yes, he did. He said, and that water that he gives, you'll never thirst, he said. And that water that he gives, Yahshua's talking about with that Samaritan woman in John, the fourth chapter, he said, it shall be in you as a what? A wellspring of life. And that's why it said in John 7, 38, he who believeth on me, as the scriptures have said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Now, he that's thirsty, come to the waters and drink. Where are you going to get the water? Are you going to go run around the world? He said, the water's coming from the, the souls that have been recipients, like Bonnie was talking about, Old Covenant, New Covenant. Old Covenant was spoken in 53 days after the death of the Lamb in Egypt. The New Covenant was 53 days after his death on the cross. And you have a, a time called the Sabbath, or not Sabbath, a, a day of Pentecost, where the Holy Spirit is poured out on mankind. And Yahshua says, I will be in you and you will be in me. And Yahshua is the wellspring of life. And so if he's in you, the brethren, the body, from a natural standpoint, is 65% water. Where are you going to get your water to survive spiritually? You're getting it from Yahshua, which is being preached through the body, his souls that are recipients of the Holy Spirit through the foolishness of preaching, out of him, he that believeth on me. Is it Yahshua that believeth on him? That No, he's talking about the body. He that believeth on him, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow, live, flow rivers of living water. It, it's the foolishness of preaching through the brethren that is the wellspring of life that we come to listen to the gospel being preached. And that water is allowing us to live. It's allowing us to survive, and it's provided by Yahshua. It's El Shaddai continuing. He's given us the water. We don't have to run around, hunt for water like survivalists. They want to figure out, how can I find water to survive? I need to have water. I need to have... You don't even have to hunt for the water. Yahshua's provided the water for you, but you have to come and drink it. And where are you going to get it? You're going to get it from the ones that believe on him, as the scripture has said, out of his belly. Shall... So if you don't come to the waters, you're not going to be able to drink. It's as simple as that. Now, when you're talking about uh, um, shelter, <clears throat> you're talking about um, Yahshua the Messiah. In, in John 14 and 1, John says, <clears throat> In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would not tell you of this. He said, uh, and John 14 as well, he said, uh, I go to prepare a place for you and that where I am, <coughs> you might be also. Well, the shelter is a place and Yahshua is preparing a place 
for us. Now, what, um, you also have an example. Give me Genesis 15 and 1. We'll give you an example of, of what is being provided as a place. Because in reality, what I'm trying to get you to see is Yahshua is, see, if you got the elementary chart here, zoom in on that last plate on the bottom. It calls sanctum of sanctoriums. Because the sanctum, you have that, that man with the candlestick, says sanctum of sanctoriums on top there. Sanctum is a sacred place free from intrusion. It's an asylum. It's a haven. It's a shelter. It's a sanctuary. So Yahshua is the sanctum of sanctoriums. And when Yahshua is in us and we are in him, we are in the sanctuary. We are in a place of safety. We are in shelter. We have the water. We have the shelter spiritually. We're at rest. We don't even have to do the work. We don't go have to go hunting for stuff. We're at rest. We're in a safety. We're, we're in a place of safety. It's a sanctum of sanctuaries. Now, also, Yahshua, we have to be, uh, uh, well, get, get the scripture I called for, please. Because I'll tell you, I could get 20, 30 scriptures backing up every one of these points. But obviously, we are fighting the clock. But hopefully what I'm saying makes a little bit of sense and that can, people can see how important it is to come to class. Because if you don't come to class, you're not getting the things you need to survive spiritually. Now, go ahead and get what I called for. Genesis, Genesis 15 and 1. Genesis 15 and 1. After these things, the word of Yahweh came unto Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram. I am thy shield and thy exceedingly great reward. So here he's talking about, don't fear, Abram, for I am thy shield. And he says, I am thy great reward. He's the reward. Where Yahshua is, is the reward. We want to be in that place. Now, I remember years ago and many times Dennis had talked about how the founder made a statement to him one time. And he said that, that Abraham walked the length and breadth of Canaan's land, but never once stepped foot in the promised land. Mm -hmm. Now the Canaan's land is the promised land, but in reality, what it's being talked about is Abraham walked up and down Canaan's land, but never once stepped in the promised land, meaning he's never once been in, he wasn't in Yahshua at the time. And Yahshua went back for them that slept. So that's talking about that promised land, that sanctuary, that reward is in Yahshua. That's what it's trying to get you to see. Now, um, give me uh, Ezekiel 36, 24. Some of these are pretty basic uh, scriptures that we heard, but, but they're so important. Um, um, go ahead and get that for me. Ezekiel 36, 24. Ezekiel 24, for I will right. take you from among the, the heathen. And gather you out of all countries. He's going to gather us out of all countries. He's taken us from amongst the heathen. Read. And bring you into your own land. He's going to bring you into that own land. What is that land he's talking about? That land he's talking about is the land of Yahshua Messiah. That promise. That inheritance. That promised land. That sanctum of sanctuaries. That safe place. 
is going to be in Yahshua Messiah. Uh, that's good enough there. Another example, we're talking about how we have to be in the kingdom of Yahshua Messiah. Now, in Colossians 1.13, it says we are translated into the kingdom of Yahshua Messiah. Mm -hmm. Now, um, give me... Uh, uh, um, give me, give me uh, uh, First Thessalonians two and twelve. First Thessalonians two and twelve, that ye walk worthy of Elohim, who had called you unto His kingdom and glory. He's called you unto His kingdom, and in Colossians one thirteen it says you're translated into the kingdom. Well, you know what a kingdom is. If you look up the word kingdom, it's the attributes of the king. But if you're in the kingdom of Yahshua Messiah, you are under the protection of the king. The king is making sure his kingdom is, has water. The king is making sure his kingdom has food. The king is making sure his kingdom has safety, shelter, protection. A lot of kingdoms are walled and, and, and protected. If you're in the kingdom of Yahshua Messiah, you are in a place of safety. You're under the protection of the king, and he's king of kings, folks. You can't get a better protection than that. Now, when you're talking about uh, 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 men, there's just so many things we can go. We talk about some of the food. Now, under the old covenant, uh, the old time back there, just like uh, Adam was provided fruit, we also know that uh, Israel, in the time of Moses, Israel is my son, even my firstborn. When they went into the wilderness of Sinai, Yahweh provided uh, manna for them, and they ate food. Now, food, um, and there's a fan, th that's good enough there. Let's get John. Uh, I, I'm just trying to get a few examples of shelter, a few examples of water, and a few examples of food, because that's really all the time I'm going to have. Give me uh, John 6, 49 through 51, please. Because it talks about that manna back there provided to uh, uh, Israel, his son. And it, we'll flip that one real quick. Go ahead. John 6, 49. Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread that cometh down from heaven that a man may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If Here Yahshua is saying, I'm the bread. See, it, 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 he's the bread. Read. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Okay. Where are you now? Which, which verse? That was 51. Okay. Now drop down to verse 58 through 63, because he's talking about the, the type back there with the manna. Their fathers did eat that. And now he's talking about the reality of that is himself, that he's that bread, which comes down from heaven. Now, again, Yahshua's providing the bread. You don't even have to look for it. That's the thing about the survivalists. They have to go hunt for shelter. They have to make their shelter. They have to find their water. They have to find all these things. Yahshua's already done that for you. All you have to do is come to class. Drink the water just like you'd have water every day. Eat the food just like you'd eat food every day. 
and come to the place of safety, rest. In Yahshua is all security and safety. That's where the true rest is. But go ahead and read John 6, 58 through 63 now. Five That's minutes, boo. Yes, thank you. This is that bread which came down from heaven. Not as your fathers did eat manna and are dead. He that eats of this bread shall live forever. He that eats of this. If you don't want to live forever, then don't come to class. I hate to be so hard. But if you want to live forever, come to class and eat the bread. Drink the water. Get in the kingdom. I know it's all on Yahshua, but the point is, when the founder said in his last lecture, he talked about the importance of coming to class and being regular in your attendance. He, it, it kept him up, and you can read about that in the last you got to come to class. You got to have the water. You got to have the food. You got to have the shelter. You just need that spiritually. What do you have to do? Just keep doing that. And Yahshua will take care of it all for you. Go ahead and read, please. These things said he in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Many, therefore, of his disciples, when they heard this, said, This is a hard saying. Who can hear it? When Yahshua knew in himself that his disciples murmured at it, he said unto them, Doth this offend you? Does what? this offend you? Because they thought he was talking about taking a bite out of his arm. Go ahead. What if ye shall see the Son of Man ascend up where he was before? It is the Spirit that gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. And Yah, and when the founder talked about this particular scripture on the tape, he was emphatic. He said, the words of Yahshua, and here it says, the words I speak, they are spirit and they are life, right? When he said that the words of Yahshua, they are spirit, he said, they are your life. And he put chills down my spine when I heard them say it mm -hmm. like that. The words of Yahshua are your life. It's the gospel being preached through the brethren. It's Joshua in the brethren that are preaching or believing this thing. That's the water. The food is through Joshua, the preaching of the gospel. He's the sanctuary. And in closing, I want to get the witness chart. Um, in closing, because I want to get Orisarada and Hushki's teeth. Did you have a fit, uh, an example in your body? Can I have the witness chart, please? Um, if you have it, great. If you have it or not, the witness chart it'll have one second. We're first sorry, seeing we're, what's that? One second, okay. I just want to get these two examples, and then from there, I will uh, I'll, I'll end because these are two witnesses in your body. Now, there we got the witness chart on the left side here. You're going to see a blow up of the ear. On the left side bottom, you're going to see a blow up of the ear. And there's little things inside your ear. They're referred to as Hushki's teeth. Mm -hmm. And we got to hear the gospel preach. And in your ears, you have these things called Hushki's teeth. You have teeth in your ears. Now, why aren't there teeth in your ears? And I'm not saying you have like regular dentures in there. I'm just saying there's a principle in your body showing you have teeth in your ears. Showing forth that when you hear the gospel preached, you can chew on that. You can chew on that. And what you're hearing preach from the plates on these charts 
is soul food. It's food for your soul. Just like you need both food from a natural standpoint, the foolishness of preaching that comes through your ears is soul food. Now on the right side, you have the eyeball. Um, you scroll it off to the right. You're going to see there's an eyeball. And in the eyeball, you have, in your eyes, you have aura serrata. And it's on the bottom there, right underneath the middle eye. Aura means mouth. Serrata means teeth. So you have teeth in your ears and you have teeth in your eyes. And aura means mouth. So what you see, the see the charts and you see the gospel preached and you hear the gospel preached, you are chewing on that. That is soul food. That's for your inner man. That's so you don't starve. That's so you can drink. That's so you can eat. That's so you can survive. Because you want to survive. Because you are troubled. And if you're weary, you need to survive. Come to class. Do all you can to come to class. Encourage others to come to class. Please come to the water. Drink every day. Eat every day. And trust in Yahshua. Thank you very much. I'm sorry if it went fast, but I just pray that it made some sense. Thanks. Thank you, Dr. Verkaterin. And our third speaker tonight will be the president of the Oceanside class, Dr. Carl Emler. So I enjoyed the first two speakers very much, although I did scratch my head about Andy and wondering why he was so obsessed with an Arctic tundra. <laughs> um, uh, two things about uh, why I mentioned that I enjoyed the first two speakers. And that is because um, they're well-versed in the scriptures. And it's not a gift that I have remembering scriptures. I can generally remember, hopefully, enough about what's in a scripture to be able to find it on a search. But um, these folks who uh, have these scriptures along with these um, um, manifestations of the operation of the purpose are valuable people. And sometimes we even like to have them in class so that we can use them to get a scripture for us, <laughs> like Sasha down there in uh, Madison, Wisconsin. Um, but these gifts that we have, uh, they come from Yahweh. And, and I know, uh, we're humble about them, and sometimes we compare gifts with gifts as though some gifts are greater than others. But the fact is that whatever that Yahweh grants uh, one of his children uh, with an ability to witness to his purpose, and however he, uh, however and whatever he gives you, and we talk about this all the time about. Christianity listens to or reads in the Old Testament, Isaiah, Jeremiah, the major prophets, and Amos is a minor prophet. And, uh, and we understand, um, because of this divine vision and revelation that was given to Dr. Kinley, and I'm, that's just what I want to talk about. But we understand that there are no major and minor prophets. And that's not because we're trying to be all humble about it and let everybody be equal, like the liberal kinds of concepts that humans have on the planet. 
but it's because Yahweh Elohim is the one who speaks no matter who he's speaking through. It's him speaking his purpose. And dare you call him minor at some point. <laughs> you know, and whatever little bit that Yahweh has uh, brought in you to present to the body, that's Yahweh Elohim speaking directly to us. And this is what I want to work with. And there's no minor speak there are no minor speakers people have been giving given so many different gifts and you know you look at the spectrum of them and some of the gifts seem to be more uh special if you will than others but i'm telling you they're not more special they are all the means whereby the holy spirit is witnessing to uh yahweh's purpose now i'm going to read something out of uh, the textbook. I'm going to read through it fast. And it's the foreword of um, volume three. And let me just read through this fast. And this is Dr. Kinley talking about visions and revelations. Now I know volume three, whose builder and maker uh, is attributed to Dr. Harris. And he did do most of the work in that, in that part of the, this volume. And it's good work. But um, he provided an introduction on page three. I'm reading a foreword. And as I read it, I think you'll hear the founder in it. So let me just read through this really quick. Webster's New World Dictionary, 1960 College Edition, page 1631, defines the word vision thusly. The act or power of seeing with the eye, sense of sight, something supposedly seen by other than normal sight, something perceived in a dream, a trance, etc., or supernaturally revealed as to a prophet. So these are various definitions. Thank you, Greg. These are various de definitions uh, for what a vision is. And he, goes on to go, and he goes on to talk about a mental image, the ability to perceive something not actually visible as though mental acuteness uh, or keen foresight. These are all things in the dictionary. These are all definitions that uh, you can find for what a vision is. The word revelation, now he goes on to talk about a definition for the word of revelation, is defined in the same dictionary, page 1245, thusly. Now listen, a revealing or disclosure, especially a striking disclosure as of something not previously known or realized. In, so something you didn't know before, that's why it's a revelation. See? Uh, uh, in Christian theology, God's disclosure or manifestation of his creatures, of himself and his will. An instance of this, that is so disclosed or manifested, something as the Bible containing such disclosure or manifestation. I want um, uh, the two scripture re readers, uh, just put your finger on uh, Exodus 3, uh, Moses greeting the burning bush, 313, I think. And, and, and I want Exodus 24, 9 and 10. So let me go on here. According to the above definitions, a vision and a revelation can be both external, that is, appreciated by the physical eye as when one sees a performer on stage after the curtains open, the performer, be, the performer being visualized and disclosed or revealed at the time, at that same time. And, and it can be internal, 
that is appreciated with the eye of the understanding as when one sees in a trance or a dream, a mental image or has something disclosed to him within his mind. Therefore it can be said, now listen, uh, therefore it can be said that no one has ever lived who has not had a vision or a revelation either externally for one is constantly seeing with his physical eyes or internally for one is continually forming visual mental images and appreciating new facts or knowledge within his mind. The facts should be brought out at this point that when one sees or has something disclosed to him with his external or physical eyes, such vision or disclosure may be appreciated by everyone who's physical eyes with which everyone who has physical eyes with which to see. But when one sees or has something disclosed to him with the eye of the understanding or the internal eye, such vision and revelation usually can only be appreciated by one person. And he quotes the except, exceptions to that, which is one of them is uh, uh, 24th chapter of Exodus and the other is Matthew 17. So those are shared visions. One might be standing alongside an individual having such a vision and revelation and never see or hear anything, nor know what the individual was having uh, or, know, or know that the individual was having such a vision or revelation. Accordingly, one cannot argue the point of whether or not he had received a bit. You can't argue the point because you didn't see it. You're standing next to him. You can't argue it because you didn't see it. And he says he did, or he, she says she did. As before stated, visions and revelations, generally speaking, are commonplace, being experienced by everyone who lives on the face of the earth. Now, uh, now, all these definitions of visions and all these definitions of revelations uh, cloud the issue when it comes to this very next sentence. And this is what I want to focus on. However, when it comes to divine visions and revelations, that's another matter altogether, but still not as unusual a happening as one might suppose. Uh, since the great Yahweh of the stellar universe is spirit and therefore invisible. Now listen, there's no way that he could show himself to mankind except in visions and revelations as Elohim. So quickly read 24, 9 and 10 of Exodus if you, if you got your finger there. Exodus 24, 9. Then went up Moses, Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, 70 of the elders of Israel, and they saw the Elohim of Israel. So there's a shared, there's a shared vision right there. They, they saw him and they describe him as having hands, feet, and a body, but a body of heaven in its clearness. In other words, it wasn't a physical body. Uh, and so he talks about uh, Moses doing that. Um, Yahweh merely took on shape and form from within the confines of mankind's limited mind. Now that's what happened to the, the 70 elders there at the, at the midpoint of the mountain. He took on shape and form in their limited mind. They had, they had a vision. And people uh, have uh, all kinds of visions and revelations all the time under the definitions that we read up in the beginning. But the difference is when Dr. Kinley had his vision, he said 
that he had a divine vision and revelation straight from the creator. Now, the reason why I bring this up, uh, uh, give me the uh, um, uh, 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 wit, the, 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 the Elohim and Satan, whatever that, the, that chart, I'm blocking on the name of it. Um, Dr. Kinley, there you go, the Aya Asher Aya chart, thank you. Dr. Kinley claimed to have had a divine vision and revelation. And this is what he said. He said, now I had a divine vision and revelation, but I don't expect you to believe it just because I said it. He said that, uh, he said that I, you need to have me prove it until you're satisfied. Now, that's, when I first came into class, I thought that I was satisfied when I recognized law, profits, and fulfillment for something. I thought that I was satisfied when uh, um, uh, I saw that the Messiah said he came to fulfill and not institute. And so then I realized that water baptism was out because he showed me the baptism of, uh, you know, that with the ark and with the earth and the water. And uh, even John, as it turns out, unbeknownst to Christianity, uh, was the last prophet uh, under the law. Uh, he wasn't in the New Covenant. He wasn't in the New Testament. He was the last prophet of Yahweh. He, he, there should have been the book of, of John the Baptist after Malachi but they didn't do that. See, because Joshua appeared at the birth and they thought this is a new thing, a new covenant. This is what they presented to us. And this is what we believed for uh, until we ran into someone who knew Yahweh's purpose for real. And that's Dr. Kinley. And this is, and, and this goes back to the first two speakers. These folks have to have had a divine vision and revelation within themselves in order to present this gospel according to Yahweh's purpose in such a way as to witness to spirit and not just uh, bring forth information or data. Anybody can bring forth information or data. And we see that because that if you review history and, and of the Bible and stuff, and you'll, you're going to find that a lot of people talk about institution and fulfillment and the law and the prophets and all that. But what they don't understand, uh, because the mystery of iniquity here has deceived the hearts and minds of the, the whole world, what they don't understand is that, um, that the Messiah, in that specially prepared body, was was brought uh, was brought forth during the dispensation of the law and not the dispensation of grace. They do not understand the ages and dispensations at all. They do, they do not know where they stand in Yahweh's purpose. And Dr. Kinley didn't know where he stood in Yahweh's purpose before he had the divine vision and revelation. He didn't understand. Yeah, leave those two up just like that. That'll be fine for now, Greg. Um, he didn't uh, understand anything at all about Yahweh's purpose. He had an intuitive uh, uh, recognition that something wasn't right when it came to grace. By his own words, he just didn't agree with his minister that there were works of grace because somehow grace shouldn't have works, which 
now that we've come into this gospel and someone points that out to us, it's like, well, yeah, but Yahweh had granted Dr. Kinley that trigger to cause him to separate himself from that ministry that he was in because he needed to be separated because we all have to be separated in order to come into a knowledge and understanding of our creator. And what I mean by that is we have to, we have to become alone and by ourselves. We can't get a vision and revelation from Yahweh with, uh, uh, as a group. See, now, certainly there may be group visions, but when it comes to a revelation, when something's revealed to you, that's between you, and that's spirit communing with spirit. That's a direct communication between you and it's it, between you and Yahshua. And so when Dr. Kinley said, make me prove it until you're satisfied, and I, my first definition was until it made sense to me, until I could see that by the definition in the dictionary that uh, 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 I came to fulfill means to end. And, and, and he goes, and, and finish the works, he says over there. My, I came to finish the works. My father sent me to fit the word finishes right there. No one had ever pointed that out to me. And it made perfect sense to me at that point. But the reality is that the satisfaction of this gospel is when you receive the Holy Spirit. He said, make me prove it. And this is till when? Until you receive the Holy Spirit. And that's why coming, he, it was so insistent on people coming to class. Three, whenever you can, three times a week. And he'd talk about, he'd have a class on Sunday and you missed my Wednesday class. So, so now you don't understand why I'm doing this on Sunday. And he goes on and on about that. And the point is that having this, now, now this is crucial. Listen, having this gospel preached by someone who has the Holy Spirit, has the power to bring the Holy Spirit in you. In other words, you will receive the Holy Spirit, not by someone preaching law, prophets, and fulfillment, as much as we respect that, but it takes the Holy Spirit preaching the law, prophets, and fulfillment for you to receive the Holy Spirit, because that puts the life into the scriptures that puts the uh we might call it the emotion when you see uh dr kinley and many others there are many others uh who uh just plain get hot on the floor they're just beside themselves you understand and it just gets your attention you it just you feel the presence of your creator when someone with the holy spirit preaches this gospel and the only place that's happening as in these classes and in these classes it's happening and it's not happening see because as dr kinley said in these classes he's raising up both uh, mysteries and in these classes he also put in the constitution on article 20 that you can get up and you can just preach anything that you want you as long as you're respectful etc. In other words, you're not going to be a, a miserable so-and-so. But is, if you can be respectful and you can, uh, and you can be uh, articulate, you can preach the moon is made from green cheese. You can do QAnon if you want to. Dr. Kinley did not conscript what was preached from the floor of, of the IDMR. And he had a reason for not 
uh, conscripting it. And that is because he, Dr. Kinley, had a divine vision and revelation of the operation of Yahweh's purpose. And it was the Holy Spirit in there. And the Holy Spirit trusts the Holy Spirit to be able to convey to the Holy Spirit in you what is true and what is not true. So he does, and he would say, I send these people out to these churches and I don't go with them. They think I'm going to go with them because they're going to take these people away from me. He goes, these people aren't going to go away from me. If they've seen something, they can go out on their own and, and, and uh, to, to the Pope himself. And he goes, and I don't lose a bit of sleep over it. I know they'll be, if you've seen something and this seeing is a divine vision we're talking about. And that's why I read these visions and revelations in this introduction, because there are some pretty compelling visions that people have had internally that have not been divine. See, And yet they're so compelling and so uh, uplifting and so, um, uh, 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 oh, I can't, I'm blocking on the term, uh, but they're, they're, they're so intuitive, they're, they're, they're gifted all of that, but it's not divine. This divine vision and revelation ups the ante on anything, absolutely anything physical that you encounter, because this gospel is not part physical and part spiritual. Right. This gospel is spiritual, and it is witnessed by the law and the prophets. It's witnessed by the creation. It's witnessed by people's actions and it's written, witnessed by those people who have come into this gospel and have raised up and become great heads and leaders of this, this gospel and turn around and you find out that they haven't seen a darn thing. And the Holy Spirit is not in them, yeah. see, because Yahshua describes, uh, uh, if you have the Holy Spirit, uh, what that means. And that, that criteria for manifesting the Holy Spirit, I don't know about you guys, but it's a tough call. You have to be, you have to be meditating in your heart and mind daily. You understand, in order to be able to love the brethren, because I know me, <laughs> and people know me, and it's not an easy task. Mm -hmm. See, because uh, uh, just our, and, and I'm not calling it our nature. I'm not going to talk about it as far as it might be something carnal because once you have the holy spirit yahweh is working with you uh uh and through you in you that's yahshua in you doing the doing the the work and it and it says if you've got the holy spirit a man with the holy spirit cannot sin See, so now all kinds of confusion comes into play that Dr. Kinley straightens out, but we're, we're not going to get into that because I just want to work with this, this aspect of having the Holy Spirit. The whole purpose of this gospel being preached is that we might receive the Holy Spirit. That's it. That's it. It's not anything about how much we know or how much we don't know, how articulate we are or anything or what office that we have, or whether we're dean of this or president of that, none of that. It's do you have the Holy Spirit? And if you have the Holy Spirit and you think, well, I just got a little bit to say, and I have the Holy Spirit, maybe I talk too much. 
you understand? It, does, it doesn't matter. There's no big I's and little U's, and there's no major minor profits. There are no major minor cells in the body of Yahshua the Messiah. He covets each and every cell, and each and every cell has a most holy place, a holy place, and a court roundabout, um, a, a, a nucleus, a nucleolus, and a cell body. You understand? I'm just using those as manifestations of how your body is put together. But each one of the cells in your body, from, for whatever particular organ it is, provides a necessary, vital function for the perfect operation of that body. So if you have the gift of, uh, if Yahweh's given you, uh, this is uh, the, uh, an example that I think of all the time. You know, Dennis and I came into class at the same time. And I had as much opportunity as Dennis did to go down and visit with Dr. Kinley. And I didn't take, it, my, as it might appear, I didn't take advantage of that. And Dennis did. Dennis spent a lot of time with Dr. Kinley and had a relationship with him that uh, uh, people uh, don't understand because they think of it from a natural standpoint as though they became friends or however you want to work it. But what happened is that, that Yahshua and, and Dr. Kinley was this Yahshua who was coordinating this purpose in order to bring about the end of this age by maturing each and every one of us. He has chosen his soldiers and he's chosen them well, but he's given each and every one of them something specific in order to nurture the body. And whatever he's given you to nurture the body, there's no big eyes and little use. There's no major and minor relationships with Dr. Kinley. As far as Dr. Kinley was concerned, he was all things to all men. But he presented situations for our benefit in many different ways. And I'll say this, I did not have any, I, I seldom had a good, a good interchange with Dr. Kinley. He would say something and I would go on, talk with him and I must have gotten it right because he'd go what I didn't you know it was crazy but the point is that Dr. Kinley uh, separated me from that physical relationship every bit as much as he brought Dennis in on that physical relationship and everybody who met Dr. Kinley was somewhere in that spectrum right. you understand and he worked with everyone that his I'm talking about Yahshua now Yahshua's purpose might be uh, uh, fulfilled or carried out. And therein lies receiving the Holy Spirit. I was in his uh, uh, living room one time where he turned around and said, you know what you have if you have a little bit? I mean, I was sitting there when he said this. Do you know what you have when you have a little bit of the Holy Spirit? No, Doc. He goes, you have the Holy Spirit. And he meant that. Mm. You understand? This Holy Spirit that we get uh, that we receive through the preaching of this gospel by a brethren with the Holy Spirit is the most valuable thing you will ever receive. It's time well spent to know that this is where the source of knowledge of the new age of this present kingdom age. And I don't mean the IDMR. I mean the Holy Spirit in an individual. But Yahweh has brought those individuals in through this IDMR, and he was very clear about how he brought both mysteries in to, to uh, uh, as far as um, in this IDMR. And that's why anyone can get up 
and they do. And you witness it to this night. People get up and say the most outrageous things. You understand? But uh, uh, Dr. Kinley set it up so that they were allowed and permitted to do that. That and and so uh, we turn around and find out that that has edified us. That 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 contrast has caused us to have such a greater appreciation, not for ourselves or not for our deans or not for Dr. Kinley himself, but for that vision and revelation that he had, because that's what he brought us. He said that I, did, I, don't, I don't have anything other than what Moses in the law wrote or, or John on the Isle of Patmos, and it's witnessed in the law and the prophets. I'm not bringing you anything new. And this whole thing that I read in here about visions and revelations, I only got a couple of minutes left. This whole thing that I read here about visions and revelations is uh, because there were a lot of visions and revelations all the way down through uh, the Old Testament. And that's why I was going to read that uh, the burning bush, but we're not going to have time to do that. But everyone here pretty much knows Moses had the burning bush and saw the angel, saw Yahweh Elohim and gave him instructions to go down into Egypt and all that. He had a vision of Yahweh Elohim. You understand that 70 elders had a vision of Yahweh Elohim at the top of the mountain. And, and all of the prophets had a vision of the word of Yahweh. That is to say Yahweh Elohim. In Roman Catholicism, those three girls did not have a vision of God. They had a vision of Mary. They had a vision of some Michael. Uh, other people have a vision of an angel appeared to them. Michael appeared to them or this or that or the other thing. And I know this. When I went to Lutheran church, my minister never claimed to have had a divine conversation with the creator himself. But in the very book that he would get up on the floor and do a, a sermon from, he would go in uh, a book where Paul the apostle himself said, I communed, uh, it was in Galatians, the first chapter, we don't have a chance to get it. He goes, I immediately knew I was not con communing with flesh and blood. Do you understand that he was having a divine vision and revelation straight from the creator? He said, Paul, well, Paul, why are you persecuting me? Why are you kicking against the, this is the creator himself, Yahshua himself, uh, 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 telling Paul this. And, and one could say the same thing with Dr. Kinley about this grace. He was like being pricked in his heart about grace. And he was, was uh, uh, in uh, uh, a turmoil. There's another term I was looking for, but he didn't go back to his church. His mother told him he should go back to your church. I know I've got two minutes left. I'm looking at my clock. He go to did, five after, Tom. I do? Okay. Uh, so... He uh, uh, didn't go back to his church because he didn't want to ap apologize for something he didn't do. And so he was separated for two years, I think it was. Was it two years? Two years. Two years he was separated, uh, uh, being pricked by this situation at his church and the idea of grace. And, and even uh, the, the, the thing about the stars, having the stars come down, and he did it three times. Then he felt bad about that. Because what, don't I trust God enough that I have to have him do it three times? What's he going to think of me? He was struggling. He was wrestling this whole time. And Yahweh had him in that state. Because Yahweh was going to reveal through him the grace of the reception of the Holy Spirit. It is by grace. 
That is so critical because once we realize that whatever we have, whatever's been given to us is because Yahweh has graced us with these qualities and these attributes and this revelation and this understanding. And we just need to be about as humble. Uh, 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 is it 57, 15? Uh, I dwell in heaven uh, with him who is of a humble and contrite spirit to revive the spirit of the humble. There, this grace that we receive when we become satisfied that Dr. Kinley has had a divine vision and revelation, it is the most humbling thing that can ever happen to you. And it needs to be that way because there can't be anything left of you for that that's been revealed to you. And Dr. Kinley had the whole thing all at once. And he said that Yahshua just stepped inside of me and there was no more a Dr. Kinley after that. And he mm -hmm. went and told his wife, you know, as Shannon always witnesses that uh, you will, you don't know me from here on out. And I, of course, he, he, Shannon knows the real word, but that's, <laughs> that's close enough. Uh, but do you understand whatever has been revealed to you, whatever revelation from the Holy Spirit in you, there is no you of that anymore. Right. It is not, if, if, if I'm speaking to you from, from revelation, do you understand? It's not Carl Emler. If I'm speaking to you about the Pfizer vaccine, it could be Carl Emler. Do you understand? Because if we are in this world, but not of this world, we are bridging to, uh, uh, I would say it like this, two ages or two creations, if you will. And we're looking forward, see, to the mark of the high calling. And we look back and Dr. Kinley himself says that when he, he would say this, to say crazy things, you understand? That when he would get up in the morning, he'd take a baseball bat to beat back Henry Clifford Kinley. And he had already said that there's no Henry Clifford Kinley left but he understood the trials and tribulations that we would have being in this flesh and having this spirit, do you understand? And the maturing of the Holy Spirit in us allows us to really begin to understand the depths of, of to love the brethren and to be patient. In patience, possess you your soul. Patient with what? Patient with each other. Well, yeah, we hope we can be patient with each other, but when it's not always the case, but we must always be patient to understand with the operation of Yahweh's purpose. And when we get that in mind, when we elevate ourselves to the level where we are constantly searching to see what Yahweh's purpose is in anything that we account, encounter, the net result is that we become patient even in the flesh even if it's against our nature to be patient by virtue of the fact that he's elevating us to look for the purpose and understand his purpose. Do you understand? It, it gives us the patience, see, to love one another. And Dr. Kinley says, you even have to love people who don't have the Holy Spirit, you know? Mm -hmm. and, and that doesn't mean that you justify them. That just means that you elevate yourself to the point of Yahweh's purpose and let Yah, because nothing's broken, as, as David Wilkett would always say, it ain't broken. You understand? I know other people did, but I remember certain folks. But, so uh, 
5715 Isaiah. So anyways, that you guys can get that at, at, at your own time. Now, let me just finish this in now on the A Asher A chart. You have up here on the A Asher A chart that vision up above the word Asher. And you have two arrows going to revelation and delusion. And the difference between a vision all by itself and the revelation and the delusion is this. Know this. Yahweh gives both of those. See? In one you want, in one you do not want. See, because uh, if Yahweh is for you, who can be against you? See, but if Yahweh gives you a delusion, who is there, see, to take that off your shoulders? You understand? In this gospel that we have, that we preach, however we can get it across, is the most valuable thing we have ever encountered on the face of this earth. And with that, I thank you for the time. Thank you, Dr. Emler. We'd like to thank everybody who participated in our Zoom class today, and also those who are viewing us on YouTube. We hold our Zoom class here every Saturday from 4 to 6 p.m. Pacific time. And we ask that everybody stay muted until the stream has ended will now be dismissed by the doxology taken from the last two verses of the book of Jude. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to the only wise Elohim, our savior, through Yahshua the Messiah, our sovereign, belong glory and majesty, dominion and power, both before all time and now and ever, let us all say, hallelujah. Hallelujah.